Good morning. Thank you for that welcome. Um, I'm Jess. Um, and uh, this morning, we're going to carry on in Ephesians. Um, if you've missed any of the talks so far, they're on the website, and they're also where you get your podcasts. Um, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, and I'm going to read fast. Okay? I'll slow down for the good bits, but we're going we're gonna to whiz. Right, this is Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 5, verse 2. Living as children of light. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work, looking, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So if you have just arrived at church, or if that in any way totally confirms what you think about the Bible and church being quite sort of rulesy and things about sin and things like that, panic not. We're going to get through it. Um, so as you know, I'm sure, but just a little reminder, um, Ephesians is a letter written by Paul to the church at Ephesus. I've been to Ephesus. It's very hot. When we, um, what we've heard so far is good news. So I'm going to whistle through what we've heard on the talk so far. We have heard that we are all welcome here. No matter how we got here, no matter how long we've been on a journey of faith or not on a journey of faith or whatever the qualification would have been, doesn't matter. We're all welcome here. We all matter because God no longer lives in the physical building of an Old Testament temple. He's building a home in us and here. And we've all received the same Holy Spirit. We are chosen. We belong here and we belong to him. And we've been given power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, big power, is available to us in the Holy Spirit. We are the plan. Now, 
I'm not sure I should be anyone's plan for anything. But the diverse church is God's plan, his vehicle of blessing for the world. And most importantly, he loves us. He loves us. That is the point of everything. So we've been talking about focus. I love focus. As John said, I've been to quite a few. Um, and it was at focus when I was about 13, so in you know, 1874 or whatever it was, um, that I first got this. I first really got this. I'd been raised in a Christian household, going to church, and then at Focus in the youth, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit where I really understood for the first time properly that God loved me and Jesus died for me, for the whole of humanity, for the whole of the world, but also for me. And that realization changed everything. From that point on, I chose faith. I chose it. I wasn't really an adult, but I chose it in a kind of adulty way. I chose it for myself, and I carried on walking with him, which, you know, it's a big decision because um, I don't know if any of you have done this, but uh, being a Christian teenager is no picnic. Um, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in order that we might be reconciled to him and not separated from him. That is the central message of the first half of the book of Ephesians. The second half is the therefore. And that is where we find ourselves this morning. The therefore. Therefore what? What's our response? He made the first move. He loved us. We love because he first loved us. We commit because he first committed to us. We forgive because he forgave us. We give because he gave Jesus for us. We respond. We can't help but respond. As we grow and mature in our faith and understand better and more deeply what exactly it was, this great and costly act of love and redemption through Jesus, we can't help but respond. Now, as I said, or as John said, I'm married to Nigel. We've been married for 11 years. Uh, but before we started going out, I was a young girl living in London, going out, having fun, going on dates. And then I started going out with Nigel. And after a while, we were in love. I knew that Nigel loved me, and that changed the way I lived my life. Imagine if I'd carried on going on dates with people. I mean, not to brag, there were a few offers. But, <laughs> but obviously, I refused, because that's the right response to the love. There is a behavior response. I behaved differently because of the love I was receiving. The church in Ephesus is a young church. It would appear that though they learned Christ in the right way, they have perhaps gone a bit off course. And so Paul is writing to kind of 
give them a bit of a course correction, remind them of the story, the logic that we've just done. We are loved, therefore. And, um, and he's suggesting that some of the things that possibly need looking at are around their relationships and the way they relate to each other. Ah, uh, that's the people stuff. I find this stuff really hard. Relationships, people, it's hard, isn't it? It's usually the most stressful stuff in our lives. And I get it wrong all the time. This isn't about, all of this stuff isn't about, and I think this is really important when we read Bible passages like that. It's not about doing and therefore qualifying or earning. It is about a response to the love that he showed us first. But what there is, is a kind of responsibility for our response. There is action to be taken. We are called to be different and distinctive. The first thing we can do is look to Jesus. As we've heard in earlier talks, everyone is welcome in the church. It has an open door policy. There's no entrance criteria. In the metaphor of, um, that Paul uses here, in terms of the clothes, you don't have to shed the old clothes in order to come into the church. You are welcomed and accepted just as you are, just as I am. But he loves us too much to leave us there. I love that the Christian life has a sense of movement and momentum. It is a journey. We don't just land. We keep going. There's more. There's always more. And what we're suggesting is you look to Jesus. There's more in Jesus. We are growing and developing. And as we go further into that, um, it's the journey. And it's, the church calls this discipleship. It's like the ultimate personal development program. Um, as we look at him, we are changed. We are putting off the old life being renewed in our minds and putting on the new life. In Corinthians 3.18, it says that we, con as we contemplate the Lord's glory, look on him, see his beauty, see his love. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. We are different because we are being transformed by looking at him. Which is why Paul says in chapter 5, verse 1, to imitate like children, to imitate, imitate God like children, imitate parents. For good or for ill, we become what we behold. Discipleship is actively choosing what it is we're going to behold and taking an active role, taking responsibility for our choices, putting off the old and putting on the new. This is the path to spiritual maturity. And then the other thing we do is we behave differently. So as I said, uh, choosing not to go on dates with other people while going out with night. Uh, we choose to behave differently because of the love. So Paul says to these young Christians, so, or you could say, therefore, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. So the people who don't know God. So it's pretty clear. We are called to live a distinctive life. We're not meant to blend in. 
we are created to connect to God and to each other. So we should be distinctive in the way that we do that. Paul does a bit of useful kind of this, not that, put off, put on here. And he says, speaking truthfully and not lying, using our words to build each other up and not tear down, giving rather than stealing or cheating, being kind, compassionate and forgiving rather than angry and resentful, being sensitive to God and to each other rather than seeking a self-centered sensuality. This distinctiveness matters. Earlier in Ephesians, we hear how God is building his church using us. How we relate to each other determines the strength of the structure. So my mother was the first person in our family to come to, come to faith. And she went all in. She's quite a sort of all in sort of a person. And um, a few months later, she was at a dinner party with a bunch of their old friends they hadn't seen for a while. And over the prawn cocktail, and it was the 80s, um, a friend announced, Oh, Chili, I'm so glad. All this God stuff, you haven't changed at all. My mother was absolutely devastated. It's such a challenge. Are we living differently? Can people see Jesus in us? So, how are we going to do it? How can we do this? Well, we can't. (laughs) Uh, Not on our own. And we were never meant to. God's plan was always his spirit. That's the power. We will fail and be messy like this church was messy. But there isn't condemnation in this letter. There is challenge in love. And that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. Conviction, not condemnation. It strikes me the difference is the voice, is the person speaking. Is it someone who loves you and knows you, he's on your side, he's in your corner, he's on your team, he's wishing the best for you? Or is it another? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's helping us as we choose, as we make hard choices. That's why we have prayer ministry at the end of every service. We need help to live this life. So come and be filled. I need it every week. You don't need a particular reason. Come, just come. We all need more. I love the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. I mean, I really love them. They're written for children, so read into that what you will. Um, In the last chapter of the last book of the series, which is called The Last Battle, when everything is coming to an end, Aslan, the Jesus figure, calls to the various characters to come further up, come further in. And they all go joyfully running after him into an even more beautiful world. That's the call to us, I think. Some of us have been doing that a long time. Some of us have been doing it a short time. There's always more. There's more of him, more to understand, more love, more power, further up 
and further in. Basically, my role at this church is to make lists, so you'll be thrilled. I love a list. I've got a list. Here's a list. Here's some things we can do to go further up and further in. If we think about looking at Jesus, the opportunities to look into his face and be transformed. Praying. We've got a prayer room. It's lovely. Book a slot. Come and be in it. But also pray at home. It's fine too. Um, Worship. We've just had worship at Kingdom Come this last week. It was amazing. It happens every month. Just put it in our diaries. And, you know, you don't know what you're going to be like. Come in whatever state the day leaves you. But come. Choose to come and encounter and stand in his presence and be transformed. And to be filled with his spirit. Read the Bible. Spend time in his word. There are loads of ways to do that. There are loads of programs. Lectio 365. There's a Gumball Bible in one year thing. Um, with Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. Um, find one and do that. Uh, gather. We can be in a small group. We can go to focus. The coal pulled out of the fire and left alone will very soon lose its heat. We are made to be together. We are meant to be connected to God and to each other. Be involved. Be on a team. Help us do this. Gather with people who might be a bit different to you, all working towards something productive. It's so transformational. And give. We give because he first gave everything for us. It's all his. Help us. Help us to do this. We're all in this together. We can't do it without you. We're all taking collective responsibility for this phase of life in this church. As John said, they've been doing church here for nearly a thousand years. We're the latest lot. (laughs) And we've got stuff to do. And we've got so many exciting things we'd love to do. Plans, people we'd love to reach. Opportunities to take. And we need help to do it. We want to be a place where the Holy Spirit resides and where people can find a home, as hopefully you have. If we are being transformed into his likeness, I still look nothing like Jesus. I behave nothing like Jesus. So I have a long way to go. But I'm on the road. I know where I'm going. I know the direction. There's choice and action and there's battle. We'll hear about that in a couple of weeks' time. But let's do it together. Let's build a culture of encouragement. Let's build a culture of kind communication, of cheering each other on, because we're all doing it. We're trying. There's no comparison or competition or hierarchy of holiness. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we're together. We're here. We're holding together and his spirit is with us. So let's choose to respond to his costly act of redemption, his extraordinary love, which changes everything by choosing to relate well, love each other, encourage each other, pick each other up when we fall down, 
pray for each other, speak his words into each other's lives and go further up and further in to him.